All right, we will uh, read a few verses uh, as we get to them uh, in the, the subsequent points or sections that I have. But uh, for the moment, let me uh, introduce our topic uh, of, of the day. Um, so as I, as I mentioned already, the, uh, the message is surrounding God's supremacy over man. Uh, you could alternately entitle the message something like God's great trump card uh, or something to that effect. And this, of, this card, of course, being that, that he is God, the infinite and strong, and we are man, the finite and weak. When people uh, in objection to another's authority say, perhaps somewhat blasphemously, perhaps otherwise, uh, but when they say words to the effect of who died and made you God, uh, even though perhaps they err in their exact uh, application, uh, they're getting somewhat at this supremacy that God has over, over everything. Uh, they acknowledge implicitly that there is uh, this ultimate authority, that he is God, and that he is indeed that ultimate authority. Uh, similarly, and to a uh, far lesser extent, I hasten to say, uh, similarly at the present time, I have a, a degree of supremacy over my children. I, I again say at the, the present time, I exceed them in both physical strength and in authority. Uh, were both our boys and perhaps our little lady to, to gang up on me at the same time, who knows if the physical strength thing would, uh, would continue. But anyways, at the present moment, I have a, a degree of supremacy over my children. Uh, I do not have the same degree of strength and supremacy uh, as, say, for example, God exemplified uh, with Gideon's army. Uh, but nonetheless, there is a degree. We see these, um, these supremes, these authorities, uh, throughout God's created universe. But because God is the ultimate in power, in knowledge, in authority, in eternity, in reason, in logic, in creativity, in creation, in all good things, he is supreme. In every good thing, he is supreme. Anyone and anything else cannot, therefore, be the ultimate. They cannot be the supreme. God has supremacy over all. Shai Lin, the, the reformed rapper, uh, well, I suppose I can call him reformed. Can I say the Christian rapper uh, in his song, Our God is in the Heavens, referencing Psalm 115, uh, says this. He says, uh, talking about, uh, so he describes the supremacy of God compared with the opposite in man. And he says, their sin and offense is against his excellence. And they're not ashamed, as though he's lacking the power to shackle them now in the hottest flames. And so they cock, that being a gun, and so they cock and aim the target, his cosmic reign. And he humorously continues, that's like a kid with a super soaker trying to conquer Spain. If we were to use a Bible verse, and of course we could use many, but if we were to use a Bible verse uh, to display God's supremacy, it would be, uh, once again, uh, one that my, my fellow pastor referenced this morning, uh, Romans 9, verse 20, uh, which says, But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? The exact uh, context of that being with regards to uh, election and salvation, uh, but nonetheless there is a principle within that verse which is more widely applicable and certainly applicable 
uh, to the notion of God's supremacy in general over everyone. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? My plan is to have uh, two points in today's message, um, and I'll read, as I said, the associated Bible verses as we get to them. Uh, The first being God's infinity trumps man's finity. I did look up finity to make sure it is a word. Google says it is. Uh, God's infinity trumps man's finity. And secondly, God's opinion, and I'll make some qualifications on opinion, but God's opinion trumps that of man. So God's infinity trumps man's finity, and God's opinion trumps that of man. Uh, The first point, God's infinity trumps man's finity. Uh, And turn, I happen to be there already, uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 21 with me. Proverbs 21 and the, uh, the final two verses being Proverbs 21, 30 and 31 say this. It says, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against Yahweh. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to Yahweh. Uh, subsequently turn with me to chapter 30. Proverbs 30, verses 4 to 6. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. So to define terms, having read those, uh, when I speak of God's infinity and man's finity, uh, I'm not just talking about the fact that God has existed forever, that he is infinite, uh, but rather the, the perfection and the completeness, the lack of finitude of all of his attributes. Uh, for example, in to take a quote from uh, or one of the attributes of Proverbs 21.30, uh, it speaks of God's wisdom. God's wisdom is, is infinite. It is without limit. He is the very standard of wisdom. I remember hearing this story uh, not too long ago uh, about a gentleman who uh, debated Dr. James White being somewhat of an authority on, on Calvinism, or at least being uh, very well versed in such areas. Uh, And the the gentleman who is taking the the negative to him in this particular debate, uh, essentially saying that Calvinism was was untrue, made a a quip to the effect of that uh, Calvinism must be true because otherwise why would anybody want to take on Dr. James White uh, in a debate on the same? Why would anybody take the negative uh, to Dr. White in such a debate? Uh, And it is similar with any real expert in their field. Uh, The expert is not readily thwarted. He's not readily outwitted or beaten in a debate within his given field. But all such experts pale into insignificance in comparison with God. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against Yahweh. Bring 
all the wisdom, all the understanding, all the counsel you have, bring all the guns, all the military, all the secret service, all the intelligence, all the lawyers, bring them all, bring the entire UN and all their armies, and you have less of a chance in availing against God than that kid with his super soaker trying to conquer Spain. Uh, he is the all supreme one. As we sung a few moments ago, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Uh, turn with me to, to 2 Kings chapter 6. Consider also, uh, in accordance with God's supremacy, uh, the story which we'll read part thereof, uh, of Elisha and his servant in Dothan. Uh, when the armies of the king of Syria surround them, uh, his servant rises early and is subsequently afraid. Uh, and we'll pick up the account in 2 Kings Chapter 6, verse 15. Chapter 6, verse 15 says this. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Yahweh, please open his eyes that he may see. So Yahweh opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to Yahweh and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. And on the story goes from there. But God uh, shows himself to be supreme, even with, with two gentlemen. Uh, he shows his great supremacy, his great power, uh, and is the victor over them, even from two gentlemen uh, in, uh, against an, an army. And think also, we won't read it, but think also of the account of uh, Balak and, and Balaam in Numbers 22 to 24. God wields his trump card, his supremacy in thwarting Balak's evil attempts against God's own people. In short, you don't beat God. And so to apply uh, these principles, what does this mean uh, for us today? God is far greater than even the greatest of forces that you face. Given you are in him, what have you to truly fear? The all-supreme God, the one who gathers the wind in his fists, wraps the waters in a garment, establishes all the ends of the earth, this God is the one in whose love and care you find yourself in. The reason that no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against Yahweh is because each of these characteristics, uh, he is not just the greatest, but he is the very standard thereof, and you are in him. So whether you're 
trial is moderate or major, or whether your enemy, uh, keeping in mind the primary enemy of our lives is spiritual, uh, whether your enemy is at the door in your house or afar off, the infinite God, perfect in every way, is in control, is for you, fights with you, and even for you. And so therefore, what match for this God is the drug addiction? What match for this God is the, the pornography addiction, the alcoholism, the, the hold of gossip, the broken down or breaking marriage, the, the job search, the persecution from governmental authorities, whatever it might be, what match for this God is such a trouble? He is supreme over everything. These things are absolutely pale in comparison to him. Uh, and this is uh, a, little, a little amusing, given that my son has just stormed out of here. Uh, but my application personally uh, is that God is far more capable of taking care of my wife and kids than I am. Uh, he... Occasionally when I'm uh, at work, I'll uh, think of some, some difficulty that Tracy may or may not be having at home. And such a thought will come to mind, whether I'm present with her immediately, forgive me, <laughs> whether I'm present with her immediately or otherwise, God is far more capable. As the song, uh, Behold Our God, rightly notes, which we'll sing uh, in 10, 15, 20 minutes time, uh, who has held the ocean in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. And in continuing thinking upon this notion of God's supremacy, uh, let me consider the, the second point with you also. God's opinion trumps that of man. And we'll read a few verses in a, second, in a second, but let me make that qualification which I said I was going to make. Uh, we must firstly state that when we reference God's opinion, we are really referring to something which is objective. When I was growing up, there was this sort of Preston mantra, which was that everyone is entitled to their own opinion. It was said to us, constantly and I can see it reflected in my character now for better or for worse uh, but God's opinion is not like this it is fact it is the truth there is no debating it and so it's not wrong to refer to God's opinion but we must remember to define that opinion not in terms of how we would do in 2023 whereby everybody's opinion is equal and just bring it to the table and that's fine God's opinion is fact. You don't debate it. It is true. Uh, so read with me Proverbs 21, verses 2 to 3. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but Yahweh weighs the heart. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to Yahweh than sacrifice. And subsequently, probably on the same page, uh, Proverbs 22, verse 2. The rich and the poor meet together. Yahweh is the maker of them all. In both verses 2 and 3 of chapter 21, 
uh, we see the opinion which really matters, and that being God's. Uh, turn, if you would like, to Amos chapter 5. I'll read a couple of verses from there in a moment. The way of every man is right in his own eyes. Uh, the action or outcome he produces may even be correct for argument's sake or have some merit to it, but God is concerned with the heart. He gets to the bottom of things. And this will make more sense once we read Amos 5, but sacrifice uh, was a part of old covenant worship. God himself prescribed it. Yet here in Proverbs it says, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to Yahweh than sacrifice. Right sacrifice with right motive was entirely right, but ritualistic monotonism was not at all what God had in mind when he commanded the various sacrifices of the Old Covenant. And hence in Amos chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 21, in Lamentation over Israel, Amos says, I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. This is such that God seeks after. This is the opinion which really matters. Man's opinion might dictate uh, that you have ticked the religious box, you have done the, the Christian thing, quote-unquote. But God is wanting something deeper. God is looking for the heart beneath our action. And we could challengingly say, and I remember uh, as I wrote this, uh, considering that it was indeed a challenging question, we could challengingly say, does our love for God and neighbor, being the sum of God's law, does our love for God and neighbor have a material effect on how we live toward God and neighbor? Or is our expression of Christianity more closely acquainted with a checklist of KPIs, of key performance indicators? I need to do X, Y, Z in order to obtain, <coughs> excuse me, in order to obtain Christianity, in order to be the Christian. Therefore, I'll do just those things and that'll be me done. As Samuel said of God in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, for Yahweh sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but Yahweh looks on the heart. Uh, secondly, under this head and somewhat more briefly, uh, Proverbs 22.2, just to recap. The rich and the poor meet together. Yahweh is the maker of them all. Man in his outward considerations may have a distinction on such things as wealth. But in God's eyes, all are on a level playing field. Yahweh is the maker of them all, the verse says. And hence I somewhat unashamedly say that there is no room in God's opinion for socialistic distinctions based upon wealth, class, race, or any other such characteristic. If you are living and you are human, you have been created of God, you are created in his image, you are a son of Adam, in need of repentance and to be made right with God. Whether you are, in the world's eyes, a disadvantaged minority or a privileged majority, 
in the world's eyes, it makes little to no difference to God. The question is, what have you done with Jesus? And perhaps even more in line uh, with the author's intent in Proverbs 22, God calls us to have his opinion on our fellow man as we operate in the world. We are not to show favoritism to one group or another because they are more attractive or more advantageous to us personally. Yahweh is the maker of them all, and his opinion trumps ours. His distinctions trump ours. So to conclude, and, and very quickly, let us remember in consideration of this subject of God's supremacy over man, uh, let us remember just how puny we are. And let our puniness and our vulnerability make us all the more thankful for the favor that our God has shown to us and does show to us constantly. Let his supremacy drive you to awe and submission to worship and honor of him. And so as we pray for 10, 15 minutes or so, three, I hope, easy to remember points. Firstly, worship God for his supremacy. Uh, in, our, in our expressions of praise, it is appropriate to offer prayers of thanks, of worship to God for his supremacy. Secondly, uh, that we would submit to God in his supremacy. And thirdly, that we would opine, that we would have <clears throat> excuse me, opinions uh, in line with God's supremacy. So worship God for his supremacy submit to God in his supremacy, and opine, have opinions in line with God's supremacy. So I'll start and uh, by all means uh, pick up. Thank you, Lord, for, uh, for this reminder of, of your supremacy. Lord, please help us in your mercy to be humble. And when, Lord, we come into to situations whereby to the left is to choose our own direction and to the right is to choose, to choose yours, humbly submitting ourselves to your supremacy. Lord, may we every time pick the right direction, whether that be palatable to us or otherwise, Lord. Lord, I thank you once again that to do so is always the better decision, whether it appears such a way at the time or otherwise. So, Lord, I pray that we would be uh, a people, that we would be a church that to your glory um, is very submissive to you, that readily acknowledges your supremacy and our, our puniness, to put it that way. Glorify your own name through us. And uh, as we face situations of uncomfortable humbling, uh, Lord, may we trust in you through those seasons, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.